0: Start a chat, tell them that Casey sent you. If you have Salesforce Pardot, when you schedule and then do a demo, they will send you a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed. Not bad, right? Well, it's only while supplies last, so hop on this thing today. And that's it for sponsors. Let's get to the show. All right, we're doing it. We're doing it. All right, my guest today is mega cool. He's a fun guy, and he's coming to us from Sweden right now, the marvels of Zoom and the internet, and he is, um, he is a thought leader, he's a marketer, he's an author, uh, winner of the Pro Sales B2B Commercial Director of the Year. Um, he's written a book called Mega Deals. We're going to get a little bit into that, um, as well as he is the CRO and CMO at Proof Analytics and the founding partner at Mega Deals Advisory. Formerly a soccer player with an eight-pack, now a mega dad, Christopher Engman. (laughs) Welcome to the show. With
1: a dad bod. (laughs)
0: <laughs> dad bod Yeah, you know, i didn't want to throw, but, I, I didn't want to guess at the dad bot. i just
1: figured we'll let people think about it you know yeah but i've heard that's the trendy that's the trendy one right now the eight pack is out right so I the dad bod is, is the new it's the new black <laughs> i think that might be fake news <laughs> yeah yeah i i think you're right <laughs> so
0: hey welcome to the show i'm i'm actually impressed with the wi-fi happening to here today it's been better than talking to some people in new jersey lately right so, yeah, right awesome um you know It's the marketing leadership series. We're going to be talking about mega trends. We're going to be smashing things, figuring out how to grow deal sizes and all sorts of good Mm -hmm. stuff. But let me pass you this so we can start the show the way we start every show. Here you go. Go ahead.
1: Grab this. You got it? There's the handle. Yeah. Thank you. You got it? That's That's Thor's That's Thor's hammer, right? Yeah. So, so take it's Thor's hammer. suitable for Scandinavia, right? <laughs> it is suitable,
0: isn't it? It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Take that hammer. I saw you one-handed too. You're natural. Yeah. Um, take that hammer, smash for me some kind of myth, bogus strategy,
1: misconception yeah. that just drives you crazy. Right. right. Yeah. So, uh, so so, a few words about the background. So I've been doing quite a lot of research around large deals from actually all continents, but also I work on a daily basis uh, within Proof Analytics, and we analyze the go-to-market mix for everything from Intel Oracle down to B2B scale-ups, et cetera. So So you got your hand dirty. They're in all the data points across. Yes. So basically one is a research approach and the other one is a mathematical approach trying to answer the same question, which is how should I maximize my growth or profits blending sales and marketing PR, but also the underlying, Uh, categories and tactics to maximize growth and uh, growth and profits wow that's that's the only thing i do that's i I dedicated my life to that so and what's really cool is that the the mega deals research that actually continues as we speak and proof analytics they're both answering the same questions but with two different approaches so so i have the luxury of being involved in both of both of those do they ever fight each other
0: do you you ever get the two teams together and they kind of like snap their fingers like grease and they kind of Throw down research versus uh, math
1: Well well actually uh, I, we haven't we, we will probably find a few things that are in conflict yeah I mean co- conflicting results because research is research, mathematics is mathematics you, you're not right. necessarily giving the right getting the right answer, the same answer, right sure but we st- still we haven't seen a conflicting result actually but I, I, get, I get go to the first myth so yeah, smash. Uh, and this one, because ho- probably most listeners are actually coming from the marketing side. Yes. But I say this also to sales leaders. So in the B2B space, the investments and the costs going into sales versus marketing are completely set up in the wrong way. So really? So what we found both with Proof Analytics and within the Megadist research is that the winners are spending more on marketing. So, so the same amount, or actually slightly more on marketing than on the whole sales force which sounds counterintuitive but the, the problem is that we're quantifying marketing in the wrong ways we can come back to that later but okay. but marketing is really a winner and and typically if you look at a sales force uh there's a p- pretty large discrepancy between the the, the strikers and the, the the kind of last 25 uh, uh on the scale right i mean they right. can be Many, many multiples, bigger volumes pulled in by these big strikers compared to the, to the the low end. Uh, uh, so that, that spectrum the, uh, between the oh know, that spectrum yeah the closers
0: Thanks. getting their coffee they they're doing way better than, yeah way I mean way better yeah I mean yeah
1: so much better mega so better what yeah <laughs> mega better so what you benefit from and this sounds a bit harsh but you you cut. 25 to 50% of the, I mean, the the, the weakest link on the sales side and you reallocate Let's take just half of that saving and you reallocate it into content, the campus marketing, PR, et cetera. You're going to win bigger deals faster, especially now. I mean, now it's kind of obvious because we have COVID, right? So now there's no, we we don't really have a choice. Right. But, but that, that, that is the first myth. uh, And, I think the reason why we have that weird span is that marketing is quantified in the wrong way, first of all, but also that most B2B CEOs are ex-sales leaders and they have always seen marketing as something obscure. Marketing is really downplayed in the B2B space when, yeah. it, when it shouldn't be actually. So, so, and I, I used to, this insight. It came because I, I knew Mark was the CEO of Proof Analytics uh, and and while doing this research, I. I had him whispering in my ear the results of proof analytics, and then I had my own research around Megadil saying the same thing. So mm. I applied this in a company called Climon, where I was the largest uh, non institutional investor, and I came in as sales and marketing uh, head uh, and uh, CRO, CMO. So, uh, and where I got the chance from the CEO and founder to apply these insights, and we grew from 3 to $90 million in order intake in just two years. Uh, that is why I won that won that award. For example, we also got Bill Gates, Richard Branson, Jeff Bezos, and a few other pretty strong names on our finance side. Yes, at a, a ten times oversubscribed NASDAQ listing. So it was a pretty successful two years. We won a lot of awards. But but what, what I mean, the key thing I did was to take half of the sales cost out and move it into marketing. So we did spend slightly more on marketing than on sales, and that is the climb on selling green power plants. So it's, it's, not, it's, not like, it's not an app, right? It's right. pretty heavy B2B. And in, in, in the heavy B2B space, marketing, I mean, I've never seen any company spending so much in relationship to the sales cost that we did, but we we destroyed We crushed it. And now that could be sample one. I mean, sure, that could have. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's just two years as one company, but now uh, the, the team around mega deals uh, is applying this both in the i mean the fortune five hundred companies in the world but also b two b scale ups so yeah. this discipline is now being deployed in more and more companies so in a year or two it'd be fun to see some of the results there
0: wow so why I'm trying to think of like why do we do this backwards and then um, you mentioned that you know a lot of the leaders maybe discount marketing, and I actually remember a conversation I had with an ex-Oracle sales guy who was mm-hmm. saying like, look sales team, um, you know, you're gonna deliver on your quota. And I don't wanna hear anything about marketing. Don't, I don't want you to rely on marketing, nothing to do with their right. needs or anything. You need yeah. to sell however you can sell. Their stuff, that's like bonus. If we can convert yeah. some of their things, yeah. great. Otherwise, yeah. go yeah. find everything. And Do you see that a lot where they're, they're, they're counting on sales to be the lead generators by doing the cold calling or just something?
1: I think the root cause is that most CEOs and regional leaders are ex sales leaders and the second root cause is, yeah. is actually that when you look at how marketing is quantified in most B2B companies, we're looking at a last click attribution most of the time, like what was the last touch point before they signed up and became a, a marketing qualified lead? Uh, and that's when it's like looking at a, a photo instead of a film. Because yeah, yeah. they might have interacted with us in 47 social media posts. They might have listened to this podcast. They might have seen quite a few videos on YouTube. Uh, and yes, just before signing up, the, la- the last click might have been a search ad. Sure. But that doesn't mean that the search ad attributed mm-hmm. to the whole of the effect, right? It, it might have been 47 touch points before that. Right. And, and, and when you run, uh, when you look at the... At, uh, when you also look at, at marketing as only a lead generator, uh, it typically the attribution to sales become vastly larger. Um, so when companies are talking about how much of the closed deals was marketing generated, that's a bullshit way of looking at it. So marketing and sales in the enterprise B2B space anyway, should run in parallel and they should be focusing on the same goals, which is to win larger deals, more of them, faster, at a lower t- total cost of sales and marketing, uh, that's when you win. And and to do that, you need to look at marketing and sales through the lens of marketing mix modeling, which is econometrics applied on on your go-to-market mix. You cannot look at the last click attribution because that's giving you absolutely the wrong picture. I give you an example. So one company that that we've been working with at Proof Analytics, they they looked at their last click attribution. Ew. Or or and see okay these two tactics have the same ROI in general like overall they are equally high performing when we looked at it through the lens of econometrics and marketing mix modeling one of them came out as fifty times stronger wow. so five thousand uh, percent because we're quantifying the long term effect the delayed effect that is spread out over a longer period mm-hmm. and when you look at that and you look at it as the the same way as as uh, people in the economy are doing like when you judge taxes and stuff like that you see a completely different spectrum of what is delivering value and not and that's when you for example see which which could which is another myth uh so so brand the value of the well, brand. hold on before we
0: get into brand I, let me just deconstruct some of these things because uh i know right. i know you're you got thor's hammer back finally now um and uh you're smashing things there's a lot here do you see a lot of last touch
1: because oh yeah it, it, you, oh, did, yeah. you see it across the globe too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, In the U.S., Canada, Sweden, India. Yeah, I mean, and some of the, I mean, some of the B two B people that think they're front runners, they use some kind of multi-touch retribution. But yeah. the, the issue, the issue is that if you look at the whole customer journey, not just the lead generation journey, but the whole customer journey until they buy, yeah, uh, they might have 115 touch points with you. <laughs> That's uh, true. Uh, 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 and, and when you look at it that way, the, the, the value of marketing becomes, I mean, significantly vaster and bigger. It, it, so, um, Oh, I uh, see what you're
0: saying. Don't look at just a singular touch. Don't even necessarily... I mean, sometimes I like to say you look at first touch because at least you can go figure out where you find more. But you're saying yeah. broaden it from just first to being, look, marketing, it touches across this whole spectrum.
1: Yeah, and, and many of the touches are not... Uh, you can't see them in uh, either. A la- so, last click is, for example, Google Analytics, typical last click kind of uh, tool. Like true. And Google, yeah. Google Google Analytics has has destroyed the mindset of many, especially young marketeers. Damn you, Completely Google. destroying. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, they're really destroying yeah. young marketeers. that think that that is the truth. Wow. So, what you what you typically see is a company that optimizes their marketing mix towards the lowest. CAC customer acquisition cost based on yep. the last click attribution. They typically go all in on search and some on retargeting and email shell. So anything that is converting very fast, i.e., the last click, um, is coming out as very favorable. So Google is benefiting from Google Analytics, right? It's yeah. feeding themselves. Uh, whereas if you're looking, at, uh, if you're looking at a broader picture and you're quantifying the effects, not only. On things that are leading to click, but I, I give you an example. You might have seen. I mean, people might uh, give you an example. People might listen to this and watch our show now today. Millions. And they, yeah, and they haven't. Yeah, a, a gazillion of people, and they have never heard about me or Megadis or Proof Analytics. Sure. And this might have been the first touch, and then they see. They might not do anything, but then they see. Uh, two weeks later, they see a retargeting ad yeah. from Megadis, for example, or and later on they see. Any of their other contacts posting an article uh, about one of the insights from the Megadeth's book. And then, yes, they might do a search, maybe the 12th step. Yeah. It's a search. But that wasn't the first touch, was it? Right. So, so, most of the things that are happening on social media, unless there's a click through, they're completely invisible to any kind of online attribution tool because. Uh, I, I can interact with your videos, your posts, etc. You cannot see that in, right. in a last click tool. You cannot see it in a multi-touch tool. It doesn't matter. You can't see it. So a lot of the even a lot of the online stuff are not attributable in an online attribution tool. Right. So they're, they're still invisible, uh, so, which makes you draw the wrong conclusions. You're looking at the world through a straw. You're like, okay, this is the truth. So anyone with a a week of statistical background would tell you, you're completely off track, dude, right? (laughs) So, and if you, and what often happens that I've seen is that when marketeers are presenting their lifetime value and and, and CAC models that are way too simplified to someone like a CFO, the CFO might have a regression training in their MBA. And they're going, Casey, what is this? how about pr are you catching pr no you're not how about the branding stuff we're doing how about the sales for how do you attribute that uh, the the events we're running it's not just a, a business card it's it's something more how do you attribute that so you you you, uh, you easily if you have had some kind of statistical background you easily see through it so i've been looking at the uh, marketing analytics space for quite a while but I, my background is that i did analytics for the swedish government i've helped them to run sharper forecasts so I, I i almost became a math scientist before going into entrepreneurship and marketing and and my best friend magnus he teases me for doing cut and paste and brand and sauce brand and sauce uh, and stuff. <laughs> but but i do have a mathematical background so right. okay. i've been looking at these last touch first touch multi-touch i've been going i don't believe in it it's not it's nowhere near the, the full picture it's None so it far is, away yeah. I, I
0: think i've been maybe drinking the kool-aid accidentally but with google i I was thinking that maybe at least first touch would give us some actionable okay but it does give you
1: situation where i didn't know the first touch it was the podcast yeah yeah exactly but but the the thing is uh, it does give you information so i i think for some tactical optimization you might want to look at at the, the the last click cost and all of that but if you think that that gives you a fundament to draw conclusions around how to optimize your go-to-market mix or more narrowly the marketing mix. You're absolutely wrong. Wow. It gives you a, a false uh, feeling uh, of security. Uh, so now my
0: world's ruined. So help me out here. What, 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 no, I, what, I, I what should you, I look you, at?
1: <laughs> well, well the, the thing is that the leaders in this space are yeah. not completely unexpected. The, the biggest brands in the world. Uh, because they, they spend so much on marketing, so they cannot under-optimize it. They can't sub-optimize it. They're just not allowed to because it's just too much money. So they are using uh, what is called marketing mix modeling uh, okay. or econometrics, regression analytics applied on marketing, where you're catching delayed effects. You're catching uh, uh, how much variation you have. And, for example, you run events that has a high variation. It, I mean, the outcome varies a lot. Whereas yeah. retargeting has a very low variation, it's pretty predictable. Interesting. Search is pretty predictable as well. Um, you're also quantifying the real ROI. I mean, there is no there is no real ROI because even marketing mixed modeling is a model. It's not the truth. You cannot replicate the truth 100 percent, but you can create a, the least bad model. And the least bad model that exists in the market is marketing mix modeling but it has been too expensive so it's been right. sitting in so so the, the biggest retailers and the biggest cpg companies in the world they've been doing this for the last 15 years i mean if you ask them so what about your last big attributes they're going are you are you serious uh, I, I mean they really look at you as if you're a complete idiot so so wow. they've been They've been using marketing mix modeling the last 15 years, but it's been staying there because it's been so blood expensive. It's between $1 million and $10 million per year. That's what they <laughs> spend on it. Uh, yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but but w- what we've done at Proof Analytics, we've automated it. So mm-hmm. we made it uh, like you can run the analytics in a few minutes instead of weeks and months, and you don't need expensive PhDs to run it. You can run it as a normal marketing team uh, and yeah. – and you get a really powerful capability for a fraction of that cost. I mean, not, it's wow. not even the same solar system. Um, and, and, uh, but but we, we've, we've kind of taken the easy way out. So, so the, the special B2B scale-ups are actually great for us. We're working on some, some of those cases right now because they're very uh, online heavy. So the data is really easy for us to access right. through someone like Supermetrics or Funnel.io or someone like that uh, advert okay. So these funneling tools that are Grabbing the data for a multitude of sources. Mm. So then, those cases are easy for us. Um, but the other, the other kind of companies that we're really working a lot on is, just, I mean, the big retailers and CPG companies like Nivea and and and, uh, and those kind of mm. companies because they they already have data in place. Uh, the the medium sized and small fast growing B two B companies they also typically have pretty good access to data, so we can do a pretty good job there as well. Hmm. Uh, Jeez, what 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 should we? I mean, how do you approach it?
0: Right, someone who's like, okay, you're right. This is, you know, I'm I'm in not the least bad model. I'm in like not a very good one. I'm not doing last touch, but I'm kind of trying first touch and some multi touch stuff. Uh, they're mm-hmm. they're measuring that as
1: a marketing team. What should they right. shift to measuring instead? But I, I think they, if they already do that, they shouldn't necessarily stop doing that overnight because it gives you tactical insights like this particular campaign, how should I tweak it, et cetera. Okay. It, doesn't, it doesn't give you the fundamental though, though to optimize resources, money, and people. That, for that, you need marketing mix modeling. So marketing how, how is so? modeling. How does, it, how does it give you just
0: the tactical? I mean, because nowadays, like a Pardot or something would tie into Salesforce. Mm. You'd have some
1: first touch and some multi-touch. And, but you're mm. right, it's not every touch. Um, no, exactly. Like yeah. a, 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 every single touch on social media except for the click-throughs are invisible to any of those tools you mentioned. It's completely invisible. Right. A lot of interactions today are happening on social media and you're incentivized to to actually uh, so so you get a much weaker reach on social media if you're using click-throughs even. So you're True. incentivized to post the videos and and the messages on the social media platforms. Yeah. Uh, Right. So if right. you put a link LinkedIn, in there, the, the algorithm is killing it. It's yeah. killing the reach. So That's so uh, so it's kind of making it t- tricky for the touch-based uh, attribution tools. Yeah, LinkedIn LinkedIn's a black box. You don't really yeah. know unless they're clicking no. off. But they want you to exactly. stay on. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of uh, the 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 double edged sword there. Right. Um, but you know. But so I I think uh, a touch-based approach is great for. Tactical insights, yeah. because what you can also do, you can run marketing mo- mix modeling on your touches. So you can see, well, this particular touch point is having a high correlation with the sign up. So you, you can kind of analyze the customer journey using regression analytics and marketing mix modeling, and then be smarter at your multi-touch online play. If that makes, I, now I, I might be a bit. Uh, well, you know, method, the brain is but... definitely
0: smoking, but I'm trying to understand, is this something that every marketer listening to should go take a stats class or like wh- how, how, if you have a gap and I clearly have one right now, how do you get from where you're at to where you Right.
1: Should? Okay. So, so I, I think most marketing leaders totally benefit from having a basic understanding of marketing statistics, not just marketing KPIs, but actually statistics. And I posted in our company, we have something we call under the hood, uh, which is you find it on on, uh, Proof Analytics YouTube channel, but you also find it on proofanalytics.ai under insights. So we have seven videos that are, so i I've kind of taking a one hour class that I usually do on the whiteboard or someone in my team is doing on the whiteboard. We've then made seven small videos Making that's that cool. into uh, consumable small pieces right. uh, so I'm basically standing behind a glass a glass surface and'm I'm, I'm drawing and talking so okay. we're trying to to make uh, I mean the math behind marketing mix modeling is super advanced so most right. of the people doing it are PhD and higher but you don't need to do that you just need to get the popular science understanding of it mm. and that's what in those videos that's what, what, what we deliver we call it under the hood which is kind of the method explanations. That's cool. No, I will definitely yeah. check that out. Um, and yeah. And I think you'll love them. I mean, they're really, I mean the two to four minutes each, the seven of them, you can watch two and then skip, or you watch seven or you watch a few now and few tomorrow. And yeah. then typically you want to watch them again. Cause like, I kind of got it. Can I just watch it again? And I go, okay, now I get it. And, yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. I totally get that. And hey, you or anyone listening, feel free to just shoot whatever questions you have. We're actually planning to run, um, so for marketing leaders, we're pra- planning to run an online-based training program. We haven't cool. launched that yet. It's probably coming this autumn, which is kind of on the popular science level. Yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're teaching marketing leaders the, the, ver- the, the different uh, types of marketing analytics, but we're going into... Uh, a popular science understanding on the regression pieces, so the marketing modeling basically, right. where you can see things like ads that were spillover effects your marketing product x, how is it spilling over into product y things like that interesting uh, and and how are these the interaction effects when you push a lot of t v how's that building volume in search for example, just a simple example right so so all of these things we're looking at, so what you find is that these you cannot look at these. Uh, channels and tactics individually because it doesn't give you an answer. Well, it does give you an answer, but it's the wrong answer. You right. need to look at them in in how they strengthen or weakens each other. You also have cannibalization when you promote a certain product or use a certain tactic. It can actually weaken the effect somewhere else. Mm. So, which is and, and but when you make it uh, um, reachable. And usable for the masses i think that is going to to shift i mean i'm quite as you can tell i'm quite enthusiastic about what we do at proof analytics because i think we're 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 taking the most sophisticated piece of uh, analytics we're making it available for the masses
0: well i think this is a natural evolution that needs to happen in marketing because i think Mm. it's one of those things we all kind of feel behind, behind deep in our hearts that we wish we actually knew the answers to some of these things. And we've gotten glimmers of them more. I mean, Google Analytics is the worst. I have probably haven't opened that in decades after I got marketing automation, right. which is just right. a, a, less, a less bad thing um, right. to, to what we should be doing. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: But, but yeah, like... It, it, but I, I think the cool thing, that some of the outputs... So first of all, finance is all of a sudden believing in what you're saying, especially mm-hmm. when they see over the coming few months that your predictions are right. They go, okay, yeah. hmm. Casey is really, he's really doing great stuff here. He's also taking away things that aren't working. He's adding things that are working. He's, he's constantly optimizing and in a way that we believe in. And yeah. when they also start the financial, to see the real financial results, they start to trust it. Right. And then they push more money into your budgets. So it's kind of, you know. Uh,
0: oh, 100%. It, yeah, you start, yeah. the more you can justify yeah. anything. And it's not,
1: it's not just what is the value of a bloody deed. Right. Well, well, talk to me about that.
0: I know we we obsess over the MQL. Mm. What do you replace it with?
1: Well, uh, I think you should keep the MQL. Okay. So the MQL isn't bad. I'm just yeah. saying, don't optimize towards the MQL. Optimize towards sales. And it. and it can now. This what I'm going to say now is a bit self-serving because you can only do that if you do marketing mix modeling. <laughs> so, so, but but but, um, and I think this this is a notion that is really critical. I, I think a lot of companies measure MQL as their primary KPI because it's bloody simple. Yeah, but it, but, um, but it, does, it, it kind of tweaks investments too much into top of the funnel. So what you see is there's an overinvestment into lead generation. There's a complete underinvestment into marketing to drive the pipeline. Really? Yeah, and there's an underinvestment in, into mar- marketing going into your existing customer base for cross-selling and upselling. So, it's completely, this is another bad balance that we see both in Megadis and in Proof Analytics in the B2B space. There's a complete overinvestment into leads because everyone's going, yeah, that's easy to measure. So, at least we can quantify it. But the problem right. is, it, it, it's, it's it sub optimizes because marketing. So, if, if, I, if I look at how, how we run it, both uh, at Proof Analytics and Megadis, and uh, I'm, I'm an investor in 14 companies, so we try to look at the full journey. Right. So first lead generation, then pipeline, and then the existing customer, how can we grow them? We look at that and see what of this, everything that's, so salespeople are often spending an enormous amount of time producing ad hoc content. So instead, look at the full funnel and see what can marketing do here, not just to generate the bloody lead, but what can we do to take away a lot of time from the best salespeople? Right. So really? this is and this yeah. is why this is why the formula works. So when you really start to take take uh, time off your best salespeople, they can be in twice as many meetings instead of sitting working on material documents, uh, answering questions. So mm. it's all con- contentified, but not just contentified on top of the funnel, but actually full funnel and uh, growing the existing accounts. Um, so if anything you can make into video, anything you make into a Q and a Q&A document mm-hmm. or a checklist or a, a longer white paper or a, a recorded webinar or right. so, so uh, you can go, so you, you're doing okay, Christopher. So I just had a meeting internally and we got a bit stuck on, so we have questions around how to quantify the brands. So we're measuring brand awareness and how do we do that with proof? I go, well, here's a, Here's a three-minute video on it. Nice. And if you, want, if you want to go deeper, here's a one-hour recorded webinar. Uh, and, and some of you guys want to look at the three-minute video and go, okay, I'm fine. I, I, I kind of get the big picture. Some of you are more nerdy, like probably you and I, will go, okay, I want to watch the full hour. I want to see this more in detail. Got so it. if you can contentify, and because marketing is so geared towards MQL, we only we're incentivized to generate leads, basically. So we're over-investing in search, in events and we're over-investing in content that is generated in leads. We're not investing in content that is driving sales. Right. So,
0: yeah. I, I, you see that you, um, you see, because there's so much lead gen activity. And then, you know, in, with the organizations that aren't aligned, if you yeah. send a lead over to sales, then it's like they own it and you don't touch mm-hmm. it. And,
1: yeah. all, and you also have this weird thing like uh, marketing is saying, so, so... Uh, these are our twenty most important existing accounts, and these are twins, equally poten- high potential accounts that we're not yet working with. But sales are taking care of them. We at marketing, we run in this direction. You yeah. cannot get sales and marketing alignment doing that. You need right. to look. Okay, how do we win these big accounts together, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, and, now, and but if you if you set the wrong metrics, you're automatically suboptimizing it. Right. Right. I mean, people will run. They will run in the direction where you, where they where they get measured. That's kind of basic. Yeah. If your swim lane is to literally just generate NQls leads, whatever yeah. you want to call yeah. them,
0: you will just keep doing that. Yeah. And there's a real loss to your point. Those top salespeople are busy inventing yeah. what your job could be because yeah. they're just off on their own. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Huh? I yeah. You totally see that happening with groups that aren't aligned. Now, right. I, I wonder, so to, to fix that, we do some, we need some modeling and we also, you mentioned even accounts, like here are the accounts right. we want to go after together. Right. And I, I mean, is yeah. that sort of that ABM shift where we're talking more about going after accounts together as opposed yeah. to, let me do just lead generation. Is that part of that same shift you
1: think? Yeah, its it is. It is. It, is. Uh, it doesn't have to be under the ABM umbrella, but it's just right. in total looking at what is the, the, whole job of sales and marketing combined. And then marketeers should look at what can we steal from sales that they, you know, because if you ask a salesperson, if you follow them into a meeting and you ask them after the meeting, so out of the 17 things you brought up, how many times have you repeated those 17? They're going like a thousand times. Yes. And then you go, okay, what if we made a, a 12 minute video saying those things, or we can chop it up into smaller pieces. So then the sales, and so the smartest salespeople that we keep, they're focusing on the things on top of that. They're not repeatedly going, doing the same, 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 same drill, right? Right. Uh, so, so um, and that has to be full funnel, not just lead generation. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, and and also, I'm, I think uh, right. an easy way, so not just metrics, but also, like you said, an easy way to, start to get alignment is to decide, okay, let's, I mean, we can't do it company-wide from day one, but let's do it with a smaller group. Let's take these, these are our, our, our 17 largest existing accounts, and they happen to be in three industries. So let's let's group, and typically sales are already grouped, uh, aligned with those industries. So let's put some marketeers behind, let's, let's do this pilot case for the first industry with these yeah. seven salespeople. And let, let's have a subset of the marketing working with sales to contentify and marketingify the full funnel with them, and and um, and have your CEO listening to this episode, mm. so they they there or read a Meghna's book or or you know look at Proof Analytics because uh, we're all saying the same thing: marketing is underfunded, and it's over. It's so it's underfunded in total. And the, the small money we have, it's totally geared towards lead generation, where it should, when it should be towards the full funnel. And then all of a sudden, it makes sense to take 25, 30% of your sales force, you drop them, you that move some of that money or all of that money, boom, into content creation, marketing vehicles, et cetera.
0: Yeah, tell me, tell me about that part then, right? So you, you sort of trim off sales a bit to get more money you can invest in marketing what what are the places especially you're advising all these companies you come in are there certain areas that you see are typically you know i mean i guess everything's underserved except leave
1: gen but what kind of areas do you do you start investing more so there is a there is a so when 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 i represent mega deals especially like in the enterprise b2b space we recommend the basic formula uh, that doesn't mean it's the, the final result because if the, the cool thing, the the nirvana here is to to take the negative recipe and then you start to apply proof analytics as your GPS on top, then you really calibrate. But but it's sometimes smart to to take what is kind of a given first, and then yes. you add. Yeah. So so um in, in we do it differently for BTC companies because they are already uh, most of the time more uh, advanced uh, so we can apply proof analytics immediately in the right. B2B space. Um, so the, the, the simple formula, we have it in the book and our website, et cetera, is you create messaging based on something we call the messaging architecture, which is a, a systematic approach to building messaging for marketing, sales, PR, and delivery. So all those four teams are synchronized around the same messaging. It's I mean, it's horrible. If marketing is talking about Y X X, Sales coming and going. Yeah, our marketing is kind of off. It's actually why. Yeah, that's the. And worst. then even worse, you leave it to deliver, and they're going, "Yeah, casing the guys are talking about X and Y is actually Z." We don't do that. And the, yeah. the, the client, we don't do. The, the client is going, "Oh, I can't trust these guys." Yeah, I was. They, I paid, they're they're I a mess. Up for
0: that. I want that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the deliver people think that they're making it, that they're doing the client a favor by saying, "Well, actually, those guys, you know, they are, yup, yup, yup. They're talking." Uh, this is what it really is right. and the client is going oh
0: yeah and that doesn't help that just undermines everybody oh, yeah, line. Totally. yeah
1: so you need to agree on a messaging architecture okay. uh, marketing PR uh, sales delivery and uh, one room and that's it takes too long time to describe it's covering uh, moving the client basically through the funnel but also how you increase the audience inside account so we don't yeah. have time to cover that today No, no yeah. we can we can run a second a second hey. episode on, on that particular piece But, and then on top of that, you create uh, one, so this is the formula we recommend as kind of the basics. You produce one video and one article per week based on on the messaging architecture. You're then using the distribution channels, everything from classic meetings to Zoom meetings like we're having today, but also account-based advertising. So IP target ads towards your most important 17 or 27 or whatever it is, accounts where you promote the content through ads, uh, you then, uh, do PR. Some B2B companies are not spending on PR PR is almost always severely underfunded PR is really good for increasing win rates. Really? People look, people look at it as an awareness creation piece. It it is to some extent, but it's more important on the win rate because when you're looking at two alternatives and one of them has been written about in a Mm. lot of credible press, you trust them more. I mean not not just by that single piece like reference cases and, yeah you know I feel like the trend stuff. is
0: that PR is not is like the old school the mad men days you don't need yeah. it. it and sounds it's like it's, it's
1: actually wrong yeah you, yeah you you do need it but and that they are actually falling short in the last touch attribution game because PR it doesn't give you a last no it doesn't is yeah. not. there is no last click there's no right. links in the article that you you know um And then uh, then a lot of social selling where you're pushing content, not through the brand page, but actually through individuals. This is really key key uh, difference. So you push it through individuals. You then use your brand page as a repository for your content. You're not pushing it. So most companies are pushing it from the brand page and then they have people sharing it. And that's an absolute disaster on LinkedIn, for example. Yeah. If you if you look if you compare the reach you're getting so if someone like you or I were sharing it mm-hmm. first and then we have our colleagues helping out to to share it further and yeah. like it and comment it etc. That c- completely uh, kicks the algorithms within LinkedIn. Whereas if you put it on the brand page and you share it from there, you get like three likes, two likes, five comments, mostly your fr- closest friends right. like the, pity you, right? They're like, yeah, okay, like help them. But, <laughs> but, but it's better to have in various individuals being the first publisher uh, because that plays well into the algorithms of, for example, LinkedIn. Uh, and then uh, one or two days later, you source it back to the brand page. So of course you should put on your brand brands, but that's not the, because the companies that are researching your company, they want to go through your brand page but that's not how they find you. They find right. you through an individual. That um, makes a little sense.
0: And, and it, it kind of is reminding me, I'm like taking some notes. That I gotta, we got to make sure that we're, we're amplifying our own people and either using their social accounts yeah, or not to, yeah, to get it yeah. all out there. Yeah.
1: And also, I mean, you said something there that, that brought, brought a, a thought up. So you should all also do, so what, what is a classical mistake is that you have two spokespersons you have like a okay, case the ceo and the cfo they are the public publicly mm. approved spokesperson. so in the world of social media you need to have 10 1500 spokespersons mm. and you need to let them uh, publish stuff so use them instead because your company will look way more synchronized it won't be because everyone knows that you know my titles cro cmo everyone knows that I'm trained to do interviews. I'm trained Mm -hmm. to answer tricky questions. So um, unfortunately uh, this is not what I really represent, but my category of person and role is says liar in the, in the forehead. Whereas someone that is, let's say someone from R and D is sharing uh, an article like an R and D person or a a project manager or someone from finance, they are more trusted. So what Mm -hmm. the game here is to use a, a big portfolio of people right. as your front people, and not just sales and marketing and not just management but uh mm. delivery r and d finance, people like that, because they're trusted right and you look bigger uh by doing it, and then you source it back into your branded channel, not the other way around
0: mm. i I could see how that you know some of those simple changes. Um, and getting the messaging to be in the same architecture, all those things can have such a huge impact. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Swoop in and
0: start correcting these things.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. And if 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 you're posting something and it falls short, we don't have to source it back to the brand channel. We just leave it. Right? Yeah. But the successful ones, we source them back to the brand channel.
0: Ah, I see. Yeah. That way it it curates that and and shows the best of the best on the brand page.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. As opposed
0: to noise that
1: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. Uh, wow. Where, where do you think this is going? You know, what do you see you know, as the future, more and more people start approaching the mixed modeling, more and more marketing and sales teams are getting more unified? You know, do, you, do you see any sort of trends coming down the line um, that we can you know, look for or anything to watch out right. for?
1: Well, I, I think if you look at the sales layer and the marketing layer, yeah. what is happening all the time right now is that marketing is chewing up, is eating more and more of uh, the sales layers. Yeah. Anything we can produce as a, I mean, I even, so I know a company running personalized video content. So you, you, you have a video, you make a video, but then you personalize it with a database. So it actually produces, 50,000 unique videos. So so even wow. the video content is becoming personalized, right? So uh, you'll see marketing is eating up more and more layers from sales. So you mm-hmm. will have, I mean, the absolutely most brilliant salespeople, they will, I mean, they will always be super mm-hmm. valuable, make a ton of money, uh, et cetera, but they will be more valuable. Uh, I mean, more and more right now over the coming years. Uh, the, the, the category of salespeople that kind of, kind of vanish, they're the ones that are just repeating the, the banner, kind of, because that will be, I mean, it's a better, it have a lousy salesperson make the initial pitch or a really well-produced video is actually better to show the video. I've even been sitting on the buying side where a vendor came in and said, okay, great, before we start the meeting, I just want to show a video. So they start off by really? a 12, yeah, a 12, this was a telecom operator. I mean, they have a pretty big vari- variation of quality in their sales force, right? So they realize that if we just get them to get the meeting and in the meeting, we play this 12 minutes video, that video is doing most of the sales job. And then the, the salesperson can focus on asking quite a, a list of questions. Yeah, to do questions? Yeah. yeah. Do you have any questions? Yeah. Do you have any questions? And also, so I, before we go into deals, I need to know this, this, and this about you. And, and that's simple. That is pretty yeah. simple, but, but pitching it, is more tricky so so and i mean and then probably what most people are talking about that you'll see more and more um uh, not just on the analytic side but also on the interactions more and more ai creeping in uh i mean you'll already see it is on uh, heavily on the b2c side where you go into chatbot and and he's already pre pre-programmed with a gazillion of answers so it recognizes your questions, and, it's, and I see a lot of companies are running hybrid mode. So they're letting the robot answer, but they're, it's supervised. So, so then a person can all of a sudden do 10 persons' job. Wow. Because yeah. the, the robot is taking the simple, but sometimes you go, oh, that wasn't really what he was asking for. So you're kind of jumping in and, and you're assisting the chat. Right. Uh, uh, and, and also, I mean, on, on the really, I mean, on the mega deal space, you typically find fairly complex setups, you, you find now a growth within configurators. Uh, I mean, you, it started off in the car industry where you, where you configure your car, right? Yeah. But it's now going into configuring power plants, which is vastly oh. more complex than a car. Yeah. And, and that is a job that is better, is better done by computers than by humans, because those, those configurations are tricky. True. To to know all the exclusions, and if I do this, I can't put this to it, and if I do that, I I exclude this option and, you know, all those kind of – it's fairly complex. So computers do a better job there. So you're finding a growth of configurators creeping into the enterprise B2B space because Mm -hmm. they're now highly sophisticated. That's an interesting trend with configurators. I, I, so a, a broad statement here is that I think marketeers need to see them as something much more than leads. So if the, the 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 marketing leaders are seeing, okay, I'm actually the potential person to run this business, and and if I if I'm if I'm if I'm doing a great job on the full funnel, and and my team is starting to take pieces and pieces from sales. All of a sudden, marketing will be vastly more dominant internally than sales is. And I mean, to today, I mean, most marketing leaders are uh, lap dogs to their sales leaders. I mean, sure. s- s- sorry guys, I'm I'm mostly marketing myself. But uh, <laughs> yeah, right. The, hey, the, the, the <laughs> yeah, so, so 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 uh with the sales leaders coming into the room, you're like whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, s- s- a small dog sound like hey, come on up here, and, and that's that's shit. We shouldn't yeah. do that. I mean i mean the 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 today and the tomorrow of marketing is is amazing i mean there's so many things we we can do we can do great analytics which is proving the real value not the last click bullshit value mm-hmm. uh we can we can uh start to eat to do content full funnel and eat layer by layer away from sales uh, and then adding smart robots like the chatbots but with intelligence and things like that right i i think uh, i think uh, a really, uh, um, but, but it also puts a lot of demands on marketing leaders. Like you mentioned one of the, and like a, s- a small training on, on marketing statistics. Yeah, yeah, definitely. More demands, for Under- sure. Yeah, yeah. understand. Yeah. So some, and, and actually, people think AI is technology, and you probably know this, Casey. AI is, mar- is, is marketing statistics, or sorry, m- mathematical statistics. AI is not, well, it is technology, but it's 90%. Mathematics. So if you understand the basic principles of mathematical statistics, you actually understand what AI people are talking about. Because wow. the, the really good AI people, are not, they're not programmers. They're mathematicians. So if you understand on a popular science level, regression analytics and things like that, you're following the conversation. And you can re- if you understand that, you can figure out what is possible within machine learning and AI and what's not possible because uh-huh. you understand i mean and yeah, you don't need to, have to you don't need to be able to ex- execute it you just need to understand the terms and how they interact with each other and kind of on the again on the popular science level yeah. what is what are the mechanisms behind that kind of mathematics and and you know again you don't need to execute it and because that's a completely yeah. different ball game like to pop what popular some, science understanding yeah. and execution is just yeah.
0: Total, yeah, totally get that. Um, what are some popular science use cases you've seen that have been effective with that use of AI?
1: Well, I, I think again, this is a bit self-serving, but but the behind, I mean, the under the hood videos on the Proof yeah. Analytics website, those are kind of giving you seven, okay, seven yeah. episodes of, of regression analytics in a popular science way. But then you can go also to Khan Academy. On YouTube Khan Academy do have so if you if you go to Khan Academy I mean they're on YouTube so you go to YouTube you search for Khan Academy space uh, regression modeling or space uh, marketing modeling marketing modeling things like that uh, or or just basic regression analytics you will find very easy to understand videos Uh, they'll give you the basic explanation now these are not I, I I do recommend to 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 look under the, at the under the hood, under the hood videos yeah. first because they're tailored to marketing. Yeah, if you go to Khan yeah, yeah. Academy, they're not tailored to marketing, but they are very great at explaining what is standard error in in, in, in math in in statistics. What is a slope? What is a, a delay and things time lag, things like that. So they give you a, a, a basic understanding of the yeah. basic principles. Uh, I, I talk about those in my videos as well, but but more marketing packaged. Got it. So it sounds like regression analytics is definitely something we need to keep our eyes on and we do a little yeah, bit of get get bit of a of it. Absolutely. Right. Uh, I, I would invest that half hour on those seven videos or, or, or go to Khan Academy at YouTube uh, on YouTube. Okay. Um, yeah. You yeah know, like, you Another question for you on this
0: one, because I know we mentioned the different things that we're underinvested and underinvested in, and I think we had talked briefly at the beginning about events and how mm-hmm. the range between success and not is 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 large. Yeah. Um, are, are we overspending, underspending? What's your take on events?
1: Oh, oh overspending a lot. Overspending. So most B two B companies are overspending on events, and I think the reason is that we are again MQL hungry. We're hungry for leads. An mm-hmm. event is a great opportunity to get a business card or a sign up, uh, and, and I mean it might differ, but all the cases we're running and have run in the past, events are an overinvestment. Uh, is especially there better- in the Go ahead. So especially in the in the traditional B two B companies, the one yeah. the ones with the longer history, I mean they're just vastly overinvested into events, mm. uh, but they and I think there's. There, there are a few forces that are kind of making this stick a bit because if you have 300 people in the marketing department, that most of them are good at events, brochures, roll-ups, and simple ads. It's very hard to move them into social selling, ABM, videos, and articles. That's a different skill set. So, so they will they will not naturally move in the new direction because it's 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 a uh, challenging their current knowledge base Ah, so you'll find you'll find a a a fight to keep the status quo there but if you mathematically analyze your uh, go-to-market mix you'll see that events are actually giving you a less of a value than you think
0: yeah Yeah. i i I can see that um Mm -hmm. they can be fun right yeah, yeah there's an enjoyable- i'm not saying
1: i'm not yeah. saying strike them off i'm saying reduce them significantly right so like uh, start think- start by cutting 25 to 50% of of the events and and okay. and move it into content and abm for example as a simple and i guess does
0: that does that tie into travel have you seen anything with travel and sales and marketing i mean whether it's an, whether it's a, a big event they're going to or maybe just mm. office visits or you, especially right. as we get into this remote culture, do you, do you see anything with, are we still going to need to travel sales? Still we need we to actually
1: don't miles. have a good, a brilliant questions. We don't yeah. yet have any analysis on whether virtual meetings or physical meetings are paying off more. Right. Uh, what, what I've been, what I'm applying though, and have been applied in the last 10 years though, is, is a blend. I try to have, as high a proportion of online meetings as possible. But typically in a larger deal, you eventually need to meet them face to face because there's some kind of chemistry. Uh, we need to feed each other out on a chemical level, right. a cultural level, get to know each other better, look each other in the eyes, and things like that to, to build the, the final trust layer. Um, so yeah. I, I don't think I don't think everything should be digital. That's that's not the point. I think you can with great content full funnel with distributing it with a variety of PR ABM social etc yeah. and and uh, tilting more towards online meetings than before, I mean some of I mean you're probably and i we've done this for a while, but yeah you you still see a lot of traditional b2b companies that are they, they think that we need to go and visit them physically well yeah. so so I, I think this is another one from from uh, our research. The best mega dealers and it doesn't have to be billion dollars is i mean the Medium-sized to large deals, salespeople. The best ones are great at, at disqualifying cases. Mm. So disqualify early and overinvest, overinvest in the ones you have qualified in. But try to be really harsh and disqualify on a few attributes that you know are weakening the probabilities. Kick them out uh, because the the, the the winning salespeople are, are disqualifying hard, and they overinvest time and money. On resources on the ones with the best odds basically and, and and that also goes well into virtual meetings so you could have the first two three interactions over a web meeting and mm. you're focusing on qualifying or disqualifying the case yes. getting the ba- their basic understanding your basic understanding across and then you go okay, should we you can even ask them guys should we invest time and money into this process and go towards a, a, a purchase mm. Uh, and that's a pretty blunt question, but but you typically get an answer like yeah, true. yeah we're, we're yeah we're 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 quite interested in in actually making this happen. Uh, we might have another vendor involved as well, but we're kind of interested in making this happen. Okay, and then you you present a suggested plan to close the deal. Mm-hmm. Not just you not not just let it happen by chance. You present okay. So these are the these are the four interactions that we need to go through. Right. Uh, and, and this is what you need to, here's what you need to do, here's what we will do prior to signing. Right. And then you're and then you're planning the close. Mm. So you you you're booking it in the calendar with the right stakeholders on both sides, and after each meeting you have exit criteria. Like, okay, how can we it's becoming very transparent and, and they actually they actually give you an investment decision, which is to invest time. And right. that's the first win. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh,
0: I know I know some companies try to really really step up the time on their side to to see if the the, the prospect will follow them in that investment of time. Right, right. Do lots right. of meetings. You know, quick follow on question for this, and um, and you're right. There's some of these things we just need to you know go look under the hood or whatnot. As you, see, the world enjoys Netflix and enjoys the B2C buying culture, and you see some of that seeping into the B2B world. How does that? How does that play against trying to get the bigger and bigger mega deal? If you're seeing a lot of this sort of B2C scalability, automation, uh, yep. video, is there a distinction? Do you just only define yeah, yeah. your biggest deals?
1: Well, or? so um, you, you, before you had a lot of medium complex deals, now you see a split. So the low end is becoming where you even force it to be transactional. Yeah. You, you take some of the uh, medium complex deals and you even simplify them to make them lower in complexity to enable a transactional selling, meaning I mean as automated as you possibly can right The other end of the spectrum, so the mega deal spectrum or the large deal spectrum, is actually going in the other direction so here up here you see deals are becoming more complete, so you're bundling more stuff you 're actually going from mm. Okay, if this was your original deal, now five years later, you have added more stuff to it. You've made the deal even juicier, larger. Right. So, so it's kind of a, a split. Uh, and both of them are becoming heavily influenced by digital stuff, but just in different ways. Right. So my specialty is not the transactional end. My specialty is up here. How do, you, right. how do you digitalize and how do you win bigger deals with less resources? Right. Uh, uh, and and so, so basically. Yeah. Some of this, point right in right. the book.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: So how, how do you win larger deals faster with less resources in total? So a better blend of sales and marketing and the various tactics. Better um, blend. Yeah. Right.
0: And then, uh, and, and then it's like, get the book.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's on megadis.com or on Amazon or yeah. you find it on a bunch of places or, or and also I, uh, this podcast, I mean, it's it's a it's a very short time that we have together, so you've just got a few snippets. But also, some of the the some of the insights here are from Proof Analytics, and some of them are from 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 Mega Deals. So, right. I, I again, I, I'm I, I really like where I'm at right now with this blend of mathematics and research. Yes, and it's all around how to optimize the go-to-market mix. Love love I love it it's yeah. it is
0: fascinating and you are in this this sort of centerpiece of different data fields and methodologies yeah. and logics coming into one it yeah. my, my next question you and is, also like, working
1: across continents across yeah, industries yeah. Con- these two approaches yeah for sure um geography yeah. i'm a total different. nerd <laughs> yeah yeah but cool yeah. one and it's
0: a cool yeah. topic too uh, so really, who are you? Like, could you take us back in time? You know, what's it like being, you know, little Christopher? Did you grow up in Sweden? What, what was it like? And did you always know you're going to, you know, be a mathematical marketer?
1: Oh, no, not all. So, uh, yeah, I grew up in a town called Luleå, which is 70,000 people up north. Uh, so it's very close to the polar circle. Um, so basically, Alaska, Do you want. Uh, yeah? And okay. uh, I just and, looked it up on the map.: uh, Right. So it's very close to Finland, so it's up in the bay between Sweden Finland. Um, and Finland. Uh, and uh, Well, I have two siblings, two younger siblings. Um, I was playing a lot of soccer. Uh, I was uh, I mean, basically doing a ton of sports. Uh, yeah. My parents are both coming from the public sector, so I actually have very little background from them. Both in entrepreneurship and marketing and mathematics, none of that. I mean, I mean, I love my parents; they're great. But in sixth yeah. grade, I remember in sixth grade, they they couldn't help me more in school, so they they kind of really? ran out. Yeah, they ran out of of capabilities to help. I mean, they they're. I mean, both of them are. I really love them. They're great. They've been helping me a lot. Uh, but on the kind of intellectual side, that that ended uh, sixth grade. Uh, so so i kind of deviated into another direction which is a, a, a lineup of companies and i started my first company in fourth grade actually really so when i yeah when i was 9 or 10 years it was it was kind of a small scale but it was still a company and uh, i remember I, I my dad was in the military so public sector but on the military side so he got a card where he got access to Buying directly from the middleman, so yeah, in, in the retail space. So, so we went into this big warehouse where it was it was not fancy at all, just big boxes. And then we went past the candy candy uh, department, and you had these huge boxes of candy. Wow. And I was looking at the price. I'm like, Dad, this is a tenth of the retail price. He was like, Yeah. I'm like, Can I have a few months of allowance? Do you call it allowance? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a few yep. months of allowance to buy a few boxes. He's like, no, you're not going to eat that can. I'm not going to eat it. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it, yeah. <laughs> so so he, he gave me a few months in advance, and I bought a few of these huge boxes. And at that point in time, we were frequently out in the archipelago. And in the, so in the Lulu archipelago is absolutely beautiful. Sand beaches everywhere, yeah. sweet water, despite being the ocean, because there's so many rivers ending up in the same place. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, 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 but there are no restaurants on the islands. So we were spending several weeks out in the archipelago and there were no access to candy. So right. supply and demand. Yeah. So I no a- these so there's boxes. no access. There's no, no, there's no access. Yeah. There's oh, no wow. candy. So, so I, I ran this little, uh, candy shop in the boats and it was this kind of larger boat with beds and stuff. So, so I was ha- having this candy shop and so I remember my friends, they're like, Oh, bloody you, you're going to make money on us. I'm like, you don't have to buy. And they're like, but we want it. Like, <laughs> and you buy. <laughs> like, so, you don't have to buy so it. You don't have yeah. to buy it. But I was selling it at the 10 times the price that I paid for it. So wow. I, this, this is this a is, uh, small scale. But uh, And then in sixth grade, I, I started. So I stopped doing that after a while. In sixth grade, I started another company, which was uh, uh, buying uh, directly from the producers Soccer and ice hockey equipment. Yeah, and a, and a friend of mine and I, he actually ended up in the NHL. We're selling this to the teams in our, I mean, you know, an hour drive away, kind of that. Sure. That circle. Uh, and uh, I remember the 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 sports store owners contacted us and tried to shut us down because we were yeah. we were just we were just dropping the. I and mean, it's basic, simple. It's, we didn't even realize it was entrepreneurship. So we basically took the retail price dropped it by 15%. I mean, we had no- 15? 1-5 five or 5, zero. One five. No, 1-5. Okay. 1-5. One five, one five. But you know, on a hockey equipment, a hockey equipment is it's like- expensive. It's $5,000. It's a lot of money or, or 3,000 to 5. It's a lot of money. For so, uh,
0: what? The skate? uh, skates? I know the skates are
1: really- Yeah, skates and stick. all the, you know, it, it's, yeah. eh, maybe that's, that's too much, but it's, it's a few thousand dollars normally. Yeah, so it's not cheap, right? The whole kit. So, now
0: you're saying like for the whole. Kit, yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole, uh, yeah, the, yeah. the helmet,
1: and the whole kit, the bag, and all kind of stuff. And that, yeah, five thousand is too much, but it, it, it's a lot of money for a person, a young person with oh, not yeah. a great, yeah. So and th- that that fifteen percent was substantial, right? Yes. But, but we had no, we had no costs, so for us it was still a pretty nice margin. So it was very basic. We, I mean, we we did uh, we we told them go to the store and try it out, and then <laughs> you come to us. So <laughs> it, it wasn't the the nicest way of doing business, but uh, but that was uh, we just played around with it. It reminds me that's what the bookstores
0: that's what the are doing these days, right? Exactly, you go to the bookstore. Exactly. Yeah, I might like that, or let, let me buy it on and Amazon. And you go now. online. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So so that was yeah that was basically it. Wow. And uh, and those. <laughs> Those sports store owners were really they and and we were young. I mean, we were kind of kids, but they were they were like. I remember one of them said, "Okay, guys, if you shut this down, I'll give you a thousand dollars." We're like, "No, that's the marginal on one. That's the marginal well, one." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not selling it for one thousand dollars. Wow. <laughs> Why?
0: Why'd you get out of that? You just got into something else. No, I mean,
1: my dream was not to build a sports retailer. It was yeah. just for fun. For uh, fun. Yeah, for fun. To-
0: yeah, yeah.
1: You know, I loved selling. Yeah. So I loved the whole like uh, selling part of it and and trying to be a bit smart. Yeah. I mean, those kind of those business ideas were really kind of low end, but it was fun, you know. Yeah. And uh, and what do you what do you call him in Donald Duck? You have this uh, greedy guy. Uh,
0: uh, Scrooge
1: Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge. Yeah, yeah, Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. So my friends are like, "Oh, you're Scrooge McDuck." <laughs> I'm like, "You don't have to buy." <laughs>
0: Don't have to you buy, make bro. making
1: you don't have to buy bro but you make money on us i'm like yeah but you don't have to buy I'm yeah. like yeah but we have nowhere else to go i'm like yeah it's still cheaper <laughs> than what you could have been buying yeah it's know? cheaper it's cheaper and uh, uh, um, and yeah
0: <laughs> so did you just keep starting different companies
1: and right yeah good question so yeah. so um I then, so I did university both in Luleå and Stockholm. So around industrial management and engineering, I also did one year of French studies in France and one year of Italian studies in Italy. Really? So kind of a mix. And a then I, 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 Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like years, fun. So.
0: That's, let's be yeah, honest. That yeah, like it was,
1: fun. that was great. Yeah. it's actually <laughs> the two, two most fun years in my life. Uh, so both becoming fluent in those languages, but also the whole thing around it. Like when you're yeah. young, you live by yourself for the first time in your life. And, and, uh, yeah, it was great fun. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, and uh, the the cool thing about the the thing in Italy is I also played soccer there, uh, not in the Serie A, but uh, so kind of semi a semi pro league. Okay, uh, anyway. so you're not AC Milan, but almost. No, 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 no. But it was actually the, the second best team in in Florence after Fiorentina. So okay. it was a decent team. It, it, we our coach was the the former junior national team coach. So. Wow. Uh, and and we beat the junior national team zig-zero. So we weren't that bad but uh, uh you know i and and most of my teammates they lived off of the salary but it was not the the is it tom brady it wasn't the right gazillion dollar contracts No, it was not more, a big contract it was more uh, uh enough money to pay a small rent and a cheap car and and food stuff kind it of sounds thing. like how how baseball was in the old days for the u.s right you know yeah yeah
0: town to town
1: just yeah. paying yeah. your yeah. rent yeah 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 but I ended up doing. Uh, I actually did. Um, I was a translator for the Italian national team in in soccer during the European Championship. So, really, I, I, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, it was uh, in in Italy. Uh, I mean, the most the highest education people they do speak English, but uh, most Italians actually don't speak English. They mm. they it, it's very rudimentary English. So so I basically had to translate even when the that the players went to, the, to, to, uh, to buy ice cream, I had to translate for them. So I was constantly translating for three, four weeks, like nonstop translating. Wow. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, you could definitely get some expertise in a language doing that. Jeez. Right. So, and that, were, was my te-
1: that was my taste of AC Milan. <laughs> uh,
0: right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To be there during that kind of a time, I mean. Yeah, that was
1: fun. Yeah. and you uh, you got to go with the team everywhere oh yeah totally yeah i also translated the interviews and it was i remember one uh i don't want to want to want to name it but it was one player uh, one of the forwards that uh, in all the interviews was a complete ass like whatever the whatever the journalist asked this person said yeah i'm the best i'm kind of i'm kind of dominate everything it was really like uh Jeez. So I, I had to soften it up a bit, so I, <laughs> I made it a bit smoother. So uh, what he really said here was, <clears throat> like, but the, the journal, I don't know if I should have done that, but I I, I did it. So I, I made it a bit softer. It's
0: a great question, uh, right? I mean, for I know a lot of fighters and, you know, combat sports, they like to sound edgy, but for mm-hmm. your, you know, if you're a footballer and, you know, and you sound like a total jerk, then... who knows but only you know what he
1: how yeah yeah. he
0: was at that moment you know yeah
1: yeah uh yeah and then i moved down to stockholm and did an extra year of uh so i added computer science to to my university education and so i had this blend of industrial management and engineering mathematics and computer science and i at at this point in time i thought marketing was bs like (laughs) You know, me and sure. me and my my best friend, we were like the people that choose marketing. They're just not smart, right? They're they're right. just
0: it's like an easy yeah, behavior, right? It's not yeah, technical. it's like they, they take
1: the easy way out. Right? So so we want to do real science. Now then, I became a marketeer. So right. so so Magnus, my best, friend, he's now a professor in in uh, in um, uh, mathematical statistics. So he's he went all in on that. He went
0: he went for it. Yeah. Oh,
1: he went ballistic on it, but. but, <laughs> but <laughs> but he's so i mentioned this earlier today he teases me for doing branded sausages and you know these commercial pens and the balloons and the branded t-shirts uh, and he's, he says that that's what i'm doing now right right <laughs> branded
0: sausages I, I haven't heard that one before
1: that's yeah. no, just that's, that's the, an internal joke uh, right because they're, <laughs> they're normally not branded it's just a, it's just for fun but I give that to him it's it's okay i we, we just play around with it. I I tease him for being this geek with a, with a thick glasses. Oh really? (laughs) He's in a basement somewhere. (laughs) Right. Writing mathematical formulas on the wall. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. Yeah. And so, so basically, and you asked me what happened then. So uh, I did work in consulting one year. I was like, I need, I need to get some kind of insights. I was really keen on entrepreneurship already then, but I wanted one year of practice. So I went into management consulting kind of a Swedish version of Accenture if you like
0: right
1: uh, and I did one year and I was involved in a bunch of projects and this was actually during the dot-com boom yes. so I saw a lot of my classmates starting this and the other great startup in the digital space okay uh, so I was like I need to I need to go and do that somehow so so I founded a company that is running now in the Nordics is a dominant player running electronic gift certificates and vouchers.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay.
1: And in the early, we were actually the first in the world doing, uh, you know, now it's, it's kind of, uh, everyone does it, but we had bar, we were the first in the world doing barcodes in the phone and that you could scan, uh, at the point of sale yep. instead of having a Paper voucher.
0: Paper voucher. Yeah. So you just so so, so much. Yeah. you can do that.
1: So much. Oh after. yeah, I mean now it's kind of everyone's going. Yeah, that's that's obvious. But we were the right. first in the world doing that, uh, and uh, uh, so so um, and then and then I took a, a one year pause from entrepreneurship. Uh, I was running. I was CIO at a big retail, fashion retailer. No kidding. It's not not really my profile. Uh, CIO. I, so,
0: that's a that's a different path.
1: Yeah, it, it it was uh, but, but they, they so I was I was representing one of their vendors, so this uh, re, the retail voucher yeah. company, and they asked me over lunch. So so we're actually looking for someone like you, being the CIO. Where, where you're probably not on the market, but you know you can never you don't lose anything if you just ask the question. And mm. you know I was in a period where I was really tired. I hadn't realized how you grow a company, so I was doing it on pure force, brute force. Right, uh, and I had I I wish I knew about these megalith stuff that we now know, because I, it was yeah it was just brutal hours hard working, and actually the first time we, we went bankrupt, so we failed the first time we restarted it no and then kidding. it worked. Yeah, I mean I, I so there's a video about uh, some of this on ink.com, so if you Google ink.com space Christopher Engman, you'll find a, an article and an embedded video which is like an eight minute documentary talking about some of the failures I, I made. Uh, anyway. Uh, you not stop so, there though, it sounds like. I mean. No, no, no. I, I was, yeah. I was, I was going, okay, uh, I don't want to do, I don't want to stop doing entrepreneurship, but uh, I've learned a lot. So I did one year of corporate career kind of uh, CIO, not really my profile, but they wanted someone that was more business savvy instead yeah. of techie. Right. Yeah. So, so, and they were doing a lot of acquisitions and stuff. So, there was a different brain needed during a certain period. Sure. So I was doing that. But then I went back to, I started a company called Taxi System. So I actually wanted to do uh, what Uber does and, 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 yeah. and those kind of, yeah. Uh, we had that kind of system way before then. But my two co-founders wanted to sell software. So we we're kind of internally debating. Yeah. Um, I wanted to sell it as a service. I wanted to connect the various taxi companies to each other. So it became a network uh, right. that you can just order online and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we had completely different visions and I, I'm not saying we would have succeeded, but we were several years before Uber and, and those kind of guys with a, a smartphone based mm-hmm. solution. Uh, and, uh, uh, but, but anyway, so that company then later on was sold to KKR is an American, uh, okay. private equity company. Sure. Uh, and, uh, I mean, so it's it kind of good anyway, but, uh, yeah, I uh, you get a little bit of an exit I, I I think you think I think it would have been way more exciting to to run and, and uh because I mean Uber those guys were not on the I mean they didn't exist. this was several yeah. years before them yeah uh, and, and the penetration was already there for smartphones so that that was not you know it could have happened earlier anyway uh and then uh uh and then I so I was during the years of running this Taxi software business, I played around with a lot of actually lead generation. So mm-hmm. how do you get meetings with busy people? So we were trying combinations of letters, emails, sometimes even fax, faxes that we used. And right. we tried various combinations of this and, and, um, and, and actually combining the knowledge from being a, in a large company on the retail side with all the internal politics and all that kind of stuff. And you realize that, it's not two, three decision makers, makers making these kind of large decisions. Actually, we're a pretty large group of people. So right. the consensus piece of enterprise B2B is, is pretty huge. We talk a lot about that in the Megalist book. Like, how do you run the consensus game? So uh, we started to play around with, because taxi companies are actually driven by a group of cab owners. So the cab owners typically own the, the booking service together. And they want to, so, so you can't, it's not like selling to one decision maker. You sell right. to a group of owners. Right. It's like selling to a law firm. They are partners. Yeah. It, it's like you yeah, have like, yeah, the senior partners, the name partners, the senior partners, the, so you know, blah, blah, blah. It, it's a similar structure in a taxi company. So it was a lot of, of, of lobbying involved. Uh, mm-hmm. So we played around with a few different tactics there. And, and then, and then uh, uh, so when I left that business, uh, I took the the knowledge from being high up in a retail company and the knowledge of doing lead generation for a taxi system, and that became the start of a company that that was first in the world doing account based marketing. So two years before someone like Demandbase, for example, we did. So so we actually used IP numbers to pinpoint accounts. Yeah, and okay. then we 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 kind of reached out to a few media companies and so we we asked them so can you put IP numbers in your system? And they're like, yeah, we can. So how do you use that, we asked them. So, well, we use it to to preview uh, online ads, display ads prior to launching campaign. So we put in our own IP numbers, so in our own office. So we when we go on to a big newspaper site, we can see them. If it looks good and everything, we then launch it uh, to the rest huh. of the population. I see. So I, so, yeah. so I was like, okay, can, can, can your, uh, an uh, ad system swallow 100,000 IP numbers. And they're like, no, it's only 264. And I'm like, 264, that is a, a hexadecimal number, right. which is quite often used in, in, you know, in, in IT. Yeah. So it's like, hmm.
0: Interesting It there would be that number.
1: Yeah. was like that must be a a database limitation that is set just set by a random programmer because you have to set some kind of limitation Some kind of yeah yeah you have to put some i mean you can't just put an array in in a database and let it be you know you need to (laughs) you need to decide you gotta yeah yeah yeah, infinite doesn't doesn't exist yeah yeah arbitrary exactly arbitrary so i was like so who's your who's the supplier of this of this ad system well it's a german company so i i asked for who's the account manager and i call that guy a german guy obviously and I, I said to him, "So, you, so uh, we're trying to do a thing here with this media company, and it looks like uh, there is a database limitation on the number of IP numbers you can swallow, and the number is two hundred sixty-four. Can you please check with the, your R and D team if that is database setting, and if it is, if you can change it so we can swallow many hundred thousand IP numbers in one go?" Right. And he actually called back in just a matter, just just a few hours, and he said yeah it's it's a database set, and we've now we've now changed it. just you know I was expecting a whole different political game around it, but they were just you know it was boom yeah, a few wow. hours later, a few hours later, it was updated. so I was like, okay, wow, cool. so uh, then we we researched i p numbers for a set of initial clients and, and yeah. we uh, uh, I mean for the, my clients' clients uh, and then we emailed over. Like a just a text file. These this is these hundred thousand IP numbers representing seventeen target accounts. Uh, and please, here are the seven ads we want to book. Here is the 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 IP number you should upload in the now altered uh, ad right. system. So they did that, and the you know the 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 our clients were amazed. They're like, really? Can you take the biggest media size sites in in Europe? and show the ads only to my 17 high priority counts, we were like, yeah, like, that's <laughs> crazy. So, so, we, so we, uh, we, we charge, uh, we charge 10 cents per ad impression.
0: Okay. Well, wow. and,
1: and it, it, yeah, that's, that's very high because yeah. the price sensitivity on that was, it wasn't there. They're like I don't I'm prepared to pay that. Now we altered <laughs> it down true, to cuz it's yeah. it's
0: so targeted and that's the yeah, whole point. Yeah. yeah.
1: We lowered it to 3 3 cent uh, later which is kind of it's still a few multiples of the real pr- I mean the price of a untargeted ad. So so we You're had a, like a candy healthy... the marketers. Yes, yes, exactly. And 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 some of this so the some of the people in this this is the biggest media company in the Nordics they were like, "Oh Christopher, are you the guy who's buying minced meat and you're selling beef filet i'm like yeah <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> basically <laughs> so we want to charge you more i'm like well uh and and luckily programmatic then came in so you could buy impressions on a on a bidding basis so we were you they couldn't squeeze us right so right. it was an open market and all that kind of stuff so so that was the the birth of uh the ip target ads to and which is now i mean common sense if you want to do Huge slightly business. larger deals and, and to target accounts. Yeah, so, so yeah, we, we were the first in the world doing that uh, two years prior to- Does that make you to, like the godfather of account-based marketing? Uh, no, I wouldn't Technology? say that.
0: The uh, or-, or um, Well,
1: that, well that, that, so, so uh, account-based marketing is a philosophy rather. True, true. But, but I, I, you could say I was the godfather of IP target ads, which is a pretty important vehicle yeah. within the account-based marketing spectrum.
0: Uh, really important vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, we were we were ah. absolutely
1: the first doing that. There was two years. You might have heard of companies like Demand Base, etc. Oh, we yeah. were two years before them Terminus, doing that. Terminus,
0: all that. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Terminus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I know Sangram and those guys. So he's been on yeah. here.
0: We chat we chat
1: too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He's actually a small shareholder as well in proof analytics.
0: Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Small world. Oh, he's a
1: great yeah. guy. He's oh yeah. Love guy. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love him. Yeah no so so, so uh, but we we exited that company fairly early because i in my two first uh, not the can the can is sports company I, there were no exit involved that was just yeah. you know just, small companies just for yeah, fun yeah. right but but uh, my first two companies were pretty pretty low on the exit side sure. so uh, then with Vendormor, and that was this uh, pioneer in campus marketing the we got a bid from a from a, kind of the European equivalent to Dunham Bradstreet. Hmm. They were saying, "Okay, we really want to buy uh, your company." And I was like, "Well, it's seven years too early," but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but we at this point in time we had over and 500 companies as clients, so we were kind of moving into a pretty good position. And we also yeah. got the we were the first company in the world getting Gartner, the cool vendor. From Gartner in the You're ABM kidding. space, so we were the yeah. first in getting that the man base got it one month later <laughs> right right, but anyway, so I, I sold that company because I was so keen on getting uh, a decent amount on my bank account, not to yes. buy a boat boat and house and stuff, but to be able to move into other type of business magnitude right because I didn't want to run around with you know, pennies on the dollar Two pennies.
0: And, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so, okay, this is a, this is a completely different amount and, and it will, it will, it will create a, a platform for me to, uh, because I, I prefer the scale up phase to the startup phase. And also the, the, the mega yeah, deal insights are more applicable to business that already has a proven product yeah, with the first five, 10, 50, whatever set of really happy clients. Yeah. Where, the next step is to really scale sales and marketing. Right. That's where my, this is my, that's my zone. Yep. And th- that's actually a zone where you're benefiting from coming into companies later, not starting them. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I rather come in with an investment and I add the mega deals, skill sets and knowledge into it. Yeah. And i often actually get a discount on the on the on the shares because of that specific knowledge mm, uh, i can see so, that. so so they're kind of making it even often transparently to the other investors they are giving me better terms right. um, or they top it up with a bunch of warrants and stuff like that Right. Um, because the people want that kind of expertise on the board if
0: it helps the overall outcome everybody
1: wins yeah exactly so yeah. it's a win-win so so basically i i invest in Enterprise style B two B scale ups, often in the either software space with a, a slight overweight on marketing related mm. stuff, and the other category is uh, sustainability scale ups. Mm. Those kind of green energy and those kind of things, sure, sure. Uh, where and, and both of them are, are really good for the mega deals and the proof analytics thinking and th- those kind of models and methods. So so that's where I invest money and also. Uh, add, add my expertise. Uh,
0: That's awesome. Uh, that sounds like you get to, you know, You have multiple hockey and candy shops. You're all over the place, and you get a chance to try things and and. Uh, oh yeah,
1: you're yeah exactly. So the cool thing is that it's a, it's a uh, it's kind of a symbiosis. Yeah. Because uh, I get to apply the constantly iterated set of skills and knowledge.s right into these investments. But those are also working at laboratories yes. to get insights back into the discipline. Right. So so we try things out and we see. OK, it's hmm, funny. In this case, it doesn't really work. Why? OK. And then you go, what if we tweak it like this? And we also test new things, especially some new technologies that are we wouldn't we wouldn't put them in the magazine book because they're, they're still untested. Sure but we can test them in, in some of these companies. So there are scale ups. You can still, you can, you can still t- take 10% of your marketing spend and play around with it and see what happens. Right. So, so, right. so, so. Like
0: active laboratory you can it's, pick it's, it's, which, it's, which, which organization would be the right one to try this on.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I don't want to say what it is, but we're looking at such a thing right now that we really believe in. It's a new piece of technology for the marketing space. We want to try it on. Not so. I'm involved in fourteen companies. but we want to try it on five of them.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and, oh, man. Not even and just one. Try it on five.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And, and the great. thing here, so I can negotiate with that vendor as mega deals, and I say so. Yeah. I, I. I. So the, the the normal ticket is X, and I'm saying, well, I can pay X, but I want to spread it across five companies, and they go, ah, okay. <laughs> And, and then so I have a lev- the leverage of the 14 companies, right to, 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 to actually uh, reduce the ticket per company. but you know, they also know that if it works for those five, it goes back into the megadis discipline, which is spread out across large companies, B2B scale-ups, et etc. So. Yeah. It's kind of a win win win. The,
0: the 14 or so, and then everyone else who follows you as a thought leader. Yeah, and yeah. exactly. You, oh, he's working on this. We got to follow this. Yeah. We got to do this. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I want to wow. be, I, I want to kind of stay cutting edge into B2B marketing and sales enterprise kind of game uh, uh, with an overweight on, on larger deals. Uh, but most of the things we've, we've got in the Megan's book is applicable for companies doing medium sized deals. I mean, a few hundred thousand dollars and up. Right. and and, and the, the stuff around messaging is applicable even to really small ticket companies uh because most people don't have a systematic approach to messaging content
0: exactly no 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 way to no road they're falling they're just kind of all over the place but you there's some structure here and it's a well-worn path that you have proven and you continue to test and pre in, in test against so yeah exactly yeah hey where can people connect with you they want to they want to learn more about you, for sure. We, we got to get them to the book's website, the, right. the different videos you've talked about. Throw some social sites out at us, some
1: links, right. some So on LinkedIn, you, you search for Christopher Engman. So C-H-P-H, Christopher Engman with an E. Uh, and I'm probably the first name that come up. There's not many, one, many people carrying my name. Uh, take
0: out the other one, so you're the only one.
1: Exactly. And, and on Twitter, I'm Chris, Chris Engman. Um, you can also go to proofanalytics.ai uh, There's a lot of stuff uh, about me, with me. You know, uh, I'm I'm after the founder, the second largest shareholder there, and I'm super active, right. both publicly and t- internally, etc. So, but then also uh There's a uh, there's some of the some of the recorded, if you want to go deeper into some of the subsets of it, like content, there's a recorded webinar on that. There's a recording. We're launching soon some pretty cool webinars on Megadill's negotiation, for example. That's really right. interesting. We're also having soon an interview with uh, uh with uh, and we run a podcast as well, Megadils Podcast. Megadils Podcast, you, right. Yeah, and you find it on iTunes on on Spotify and okay, what have you, and basically all the podcast platforms. So Megadils Podcast, you just go in and search for Magnus, and you find it. Yeah, they all pop um, up. I well, also yeah, yeah. noted
0: that the under the hood, you have some links from your LinkedIn profile to the under the hood videos. So yes,
1: exactly. Yeah. So if you go into my LinkedIn feed, you'll find quite a few videos and articles and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Has um, anyone
0: asked you? Has Has Magnus asked you about your LinkedIn photo? Because you look you look pretty angry in that LinkedIn photo. But this like, one. Is that, is that the finger that points at sales saying, I'm going to reduce you so we can increase uh,
1: it It's kind of a, uh, there <laughs> there was an old uh, uh, American ad, I mean, it's ages ago that was looking like that. I can't even remember the brand. So I, it's just, I just, for fun, I'm nowhere near an angry person. But uh, it's, it's I, kind of. I
0: know, of, it's been yeah. so
1: fun. Yeah, but it's, it's uh, that picture, people are going like, who uh, just my wife just went by, so people are going like, who is that guy? Is he completely an asshole, or is right. he <laughs> is he just playing, or is he just, or is he just playing around? So I think I hope anyway, people get curious when they go like, who, for like, sure, who is this guy?
0: Right, for sure, and you can see from the videos under the hood down below that brilliant, smart, and and a little more friendly than that photo up top. I like it though. I think it's like because I remember when I, we we first were chatting, I'm like, holy. God, who's going to be, who am I going to be chatting with? Is he just going to like eat me up? <laughs> you know, it no, 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 has been no. so much fun.
1: Yeah, likewise. And the last, the last source. Oh, so yeah, yeah. I mentioned earlier, so Google inc.com space Christopher space Engman, you'll find a, a pretty good article written about, I can't remember his name, but he, he actually saw this documentary on entrepreneurship and he wrote an article about it in ink.com And he then asked me, is it okay that I put in your video? it. I'm like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. So, so, and also that, that eight minute video is, is kind of talking about some of the shortcoms uh, during my entrepreneurial career, some of the mistakes and what I've learned from those and, and actually talking a lot about my strongest value, which is to learn fast, learn learning fast is more important than short term prestige. And, and that value has made me more relaxed. This may be more happy because it takes a lot of tension away. A lot of pressure is going away. You don't have to have the answer. It's okay to fail uh, as long as you constantly evolve. And if you get criticism, ask for more, right? Because right. Uh, so if you really put learning fast before prestige, you're evolving fast. Uh, and that is, you don't even, then you, need, then you don't need to hunt for success or, or, or uh, uh, confirmations, you're getting it. Because, right. and this is, I made the, the calculation, it's pretty simple. So if you grow 2% per year faster than the rest, after 20 years, you're 46% better. If you grow 5% per year over a 20-year period, I can't remember the number, but it's, it's over 100% better. So if you, the accumulated learning per year is just a bit better than the crowd, you, you, you're going like this. Right. And I got to so, imagine
0: the, the status quo is probably flat or... Or maybe down
1: yeah 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 and and it's also if you have colleagues that are really into learning fast and it's okay to fail it's okay to be wrong it's okay to 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 get to give and get feedback that that ambience is pretty cool yeah it's pretty know, it's fun and it's you know we fail we we make mistakes no issue as long as we move on and learn something
0: You, you have that Zone where you can just do that, just experiment, yeah, push, yeah, try and learn, and you're not worried about the
1: the ego hit from the person No, and I was uh, when I was younger than thirty, I was very prestige driven. Like, uh, you know, I was very prestige driven. So, so uh, I didn't, I put prestige over learning fast. So, if I was in a meeting where they talked about stuff that I didn't understand, I I kept my mouth shut because I didn't I didn't want to reveal that I didn't understand. Now I go, guys, I don't know what you're talking about. W- what do you mean? And typically people are coming coming to me after meeting. Oh, Christopher, I'm glad you asked that question. I didn't know what they meant either. I didn't know it right? either. Yeah. I didn't know it either. I just didn't dare to ask. So I'm glad you did. So I sometimes just exaggerate this and really ask dumb questions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. And it's only dumb if you didn't ask it. And, and exactly. I've seen that with conference rooms too, right? You have a whole yeah. room of people. And thank goodness somebody asked the question because we're all yeah. thinking it.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, this is... This has been this has been so much fun. I feel like I could talk to you for a whole day, but I know it's it's the time zones are flipped here, and this has been fantastic. But um, thank you so much for coming on here and just chatting. Yeah, thank you, Casey.
1: Things. Mm. Likewise, uh, uh, I'll, I'll follow your. I've listened to a few episodes. I'll follow your your show, uh, and oh. I think your your style is very. Uh, I like your style. It's very nice. It's kind of you you're driven by curiosity and exploring and right. and pretty yeah i really like and, it
0: and and not afraid to ask right good man and yeah i've definitely had uh i've definitely had people say you don't know enough about abm because they just keep asking about it you know right and yeah I'll, that's fine people you know i'm people can yeah. learn with me we can all learn yeah. together yeah exactly
1: you know? exactly yeah yeah i agree so
0: on that note for those people listening if you did learn something and i know you did because i literally have two pages of notes over here then <laughs> i ran out of space i don't know if you can see i ran out, i had to go in the margin oh, i'm glad, uh, I'm glad. Yeah. then if you're like me share this episode with someone else be a thought leader to like yeah. 12 people 80 yeah. people however many people on linkedin you know if you're right. listening to this and you learn exactly something, get that information out there and uh you know Chris, thank you again. We'll definitely love to chat with you later on and maybe we'll get into the weeds on something like topic, maybe after COVID, see how things are changing, you know?
1: Gladly. Thank you, Casey. My pleasure. Thanks again,
0: man. For everyone else listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We'll catch you all next time. All right. A big thank you to today's sponsors. Cheshire Impact, helping marketers and sales win, maximizing the use of Pardot and Salesforce. And a big thank you to Qualified.com, the number one live chat and chat bot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Remember the giveaway. If you have Salesforce Pardot and you want a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, then you go over to Qualified.com, engage in a chat, do a demo, and tell them that Casey sent you, and that book will be on its way to your door. All right. We'll see you all in the next one.